Africa. We are a landlocked country. Whenever I come to U.S., I try to speak slow so people can understand me because we, uh, we speak different over there. Uh, and when I'm here, somehow I have uh, uh, that African accent. And when you come there, we, you'll have to speak slow. So we get to understand what you are talking about. So Uganda is a landlocked country. In northern part of Uganda, we share a border with Sudan. In the western part of Uganda, we share a border with Congo. In northern part of Uganda, we share a border uh, with uh, Rwanda. And then eastern, we share another border with Kenya. And then southeast, we share another border with Tanzania. So which makes Uganda to be a landlocked country. Uganda is known by Idi Amin. Idi Amin was a brutal Muslim man who killed many Christians because of their profession of faith. So that's a little country I'm from. We learn over 45 million people lives on that country. And uh, most of them in northern part, a big part of north, they are Muslims. Uh, central, we are mixed up. So others, they never heard about Jesus. So we go on the place where they have never heard about Jesus. So that's a country I'm from. I want to thank God for you to come here this morning and uh, thank God for Pastor Don. Uh, we've been a uh, friend for many years, even more than maybe six years, maybe ten years, <laughs> long, long time. But we thank God too. We've been talking, communicating, and uh, I just came this uh, weekend, and I said yesterday we are here praying together, just me and him uh, sharing the word of God, and also we prayed. Prayer is power. When you pray, the heaven get open. When you pray, things change. Don't tell me things cannot change. Everything is possible by prayer. So uh, I love him. Even sometimes we just meet whenever I come and we just go we fellowship in eating, as he said. And also we share in the word and the I'm expecting him to come to Uganda very soon. So I'm pastoring a church in Kampala, the capital. Not only that, also, not only pastoring a church, but also we have two orphanage homes, two orphanage homes and school for children whom their parents died of AIDS. So AIDS epidemic is a very dangerous disease. AIDS will take away all the meat out of you. AIDS will take away the hair out of you. If you're a person of your color, with AIDS will turn and will turn your color into gray. So if you're a person of my color, it will turn into dark like a charcoal. You know, real dark, and the mouth will peel off, and then you're gonna have lashes. So the hair will go off. Uh, it's not a good disease. 
Some of you have never seen somebody with HIV or with AIDS. But AIDS doesn't come from water. AIDS doesn't come from, mostly it comes from unfaithfulness. That is a major way of AIDS. And whenever you go sometime in the schools, high schools, I share with those children to be aware that AIDS is there. And I'm living in the country where AIDS is too much. And I'm helping those children that their parents died of AIDS. Uh, we have age from three. I'd bring a video that I wanted you to see, but uh, it was not compatible with Mac computer. So we believe something will happen along the way. I wanted you to see exactly what we do. So we don't warehouse them only, but also we educate them. Education is power. And I'll share with you why I'm taking care of those children because also I was adopted. And that's, uh, I'll put on my testimony before I reach on this book. So those children, we get them some, they just drop them in our orphanage home. Some we just uh, get them from our church. That's how we, uh, we get all those children. Uh, not only our ministry has the orphanage, but also many, many ministries, they have started those kind of ministry. I thank God, the Lord who brought me in this great country, that I was able to get many friends who are coming time to time to share the word of God and also to work with us. Uh, in, uh, in, in July, we had a team from Tupelo, Mississippi. Nostra Baptist Church, Pastor Taylor brought a team that they worked with those children, uh, VBS, over 300 children for five days. It was not something, a joke, just from two people. They had never seen 300 children uh, praying and giving their life to Jesus. We had leaders' conference. Uh, we had uh, open air meetings. Over 10,000 people came every night and surrendered their life to Jesus. And then last month of August, end of August, we just had another team from West Georgia uh, Association, and it was powerful also. We, we had them also talking to our children and also preaching to our pastors and also open air meetings and we saw hundreds of people giving their life to Jesus. So that is a little work we do. So those children, we teach them and also we accommodate them, feeding them. So it's not a easy task. We need much of your prayer and much of your support. Right now, the great needs have been working with the, uh, we needed the water and the, we are able to dig last year when we met with brother Danning, he helped us a lot to dig a well. And then uh, we worked out on bicycles for pastors, transportation for pastors in the countryside. They helped us, and uh, we've been doing that almost every year. And now we are uh, targeting, right now our great needs is to buy them uh, some beds for those children. You know, when you live with those children, some, they swing on those, on those bunk bed. 
they, you know, they never have those things you have like a, on the park there. So someone, you find them swinging on the, on the bed. And you know, you can't, you can't you, you can talk, but you know, those kids are kids. You know, they don't know whether they are orphans. They don't know if they are helped. They know it's their right to enjoy life. So uh, we find out in a few months, most of those bank beds is broken in pieces. You can't even, you try to repair and it doesn't work and you repair again, it doesn't work. You repair today, tomorrow they swing. You find it break. So right now the major things, we have many kids sleeping on the floor. And some of you, you know very well, when you don't sleep well, you don't act well. When you don't sleep wonderful, you can't function. Some of you, uh, your kids, of course, they have many beds you use for two years maybe and you change. But there we don't use two years and change. We can have them as far as it can stay. So right now we are believing God at least for 150 bank bed that is going to be able at least to cover them. Good bank bed. That even if they swing, at least it still can take <laughs> some time. So I wish you would come to Uganda and see what I'm talking about exactly. That's what I wanted to show you on the video, but it wouldn't show. So uh, the bank bed has two in one which means it has a mattress on the top and also on the downstair, which costs uh, over 161, both, all things together. So a bank bed. So uh, we need much of your prayer. And if God speaks to you and you want to be a blessing, you know, you may not come to Uganda, but your bed can be there. Uh, whenever you do such a thing, you don't do... Uh, me to appreciate you. I want you to do so God can appreciate you. When God make he, when you make God happy, He will do whatever you want God to do for you. So pray, and the, the Lord can lead you and see what you can do for those little children. Those are a hope of tomorrow. Those are Billy Graham's of tomorrow. Those are mighty preachers of tomorrow, and. The, you may never know what you have invested in. You may not be there, but God will be there. So we want you to pray, and the Lord will use you. Uh, this trip, I'm, I'm working on the bedding. I'm not on the bicycle mission right now. I'm not on the water, so we are focusing on that. So the Lord can use you. Maybe one day you will send a, a missionary team to come and work with us. And working our children. Don't tell me I'm a woman. I cannot preach. You can work with the children. There's a ministry for children. When you're a man, there's a ministry for pastors. You can teach. Every bit of the ministry in our country, we have it. If you're evangelist, we are going to take you on the field. And put sound system. And we sing. And you'll see thousands of people coming. And then you preach Jesus. If you were a singer, you will still come and do praise and worship. Sometimes people in Africa, they just want to see your color. You know, 
And those kids will come and touch you to see if your color, if your skin is going to change. And some they will ask you, are you brownie everywhere? They don't call you white. They're going to call you brownie. <laughs> They're going to say, are you brownie everywhere? And you say, everywhere you can see I'm the same. <laughs> so it happened when I went to Australia. They don't have many black people. So those little white kids, they would come and ask me, are you black everywhere? I say, yes, everywhere you can see I'm the same. <laughs> so same to Africa, it happens the same. So don't tell me you can't do something. If you're a woman, you have a ministry for women. Women, they need to hear from you, your culture, how you do things in America. So you can cause a change over there. Uh, you're a doctor. We have a ministry for doctors. You can come and do the, uh, medical, mini, medical missions. You don't need a big team of 100 people, only three. We just had uh, in, in, in February, I had a team from, uh, from Stockville, Mississippi. There are two guys came, and I took them in northern province, and we had a tremendous, tremendous mission. Almost then and then, and that's part of my ways to build up relationship and invite you to Africa. So you can come, not just to hear me talking. Sometimes when we talk, you say, is it true? You know, but when you come and see and work with us, it makes a difference. If you call those brothers I've said in Strathville, in Tupelo, in West Georgia, they will just say, wow. Uh, in Tennessee, Kimbo, Tennessee, we had another team from Kimbo, Tennessee, uh, First Baptist. They came also this year. And uh, we had a tremendous mission. I want every part of our country here the name Jesus. That is a little bit of the part, and that's what we do, and that's what we are looking for. Uh, God can use you. You can buy us two bed, uh, bank bed, three bank bed, five bank bed, or a hundred bank bed as God leads you. But we are in need of 150, which will make 300 beds for those children. So we pray so God may use you. Uh, the second phase I want to share with you, my testimony, how I came to the Lord. Pastor told me 45 minutes, so I'll, 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 I'm still good. <laughs> so I'm going to now share my testimony for another uh, five minutes or 10 minutes. And then another 20 minutes I'll share in this book. And then another few minutes will have an invitation you know, just to embrace God, to allow God to do a divine surgery in our lives. And that's why we come every Sunday, so God can do a divine surgery. You know, there are many things we need God to do a surgery. Sometimes, you know, you have unsleepless nights. Sometimes you have stress. Sometimes you don't feel good. You just need a surgery. But that surgery, you're not getting new UAB. You're not getting Baptist Hospital. You can get only when you come here on the altar and say, Lord, I give you all. That's why we sing a song always, I surrender all. And then you surrender all. Uh, my testimony, I was born in a Muslim family. You know, I love Jesus. 
Here I speak so little, I speak more like American. But when I'm in Africa, I'll be speaking on the top of my voice. Because there we have many people, thousands. Every crusade we do, we get from 10,000 above. So there I'll be shouting on the top of my voice. That's why I wanted you to see in some of our videos connected with some of our preaching. They are be speaking on the top of my voice. Why? Because I know there is life in Jesus. And that's why my ministry called Life in Jesus. Because there is life in Jesus. I was born in a Muslim family. My father was a imam. Imam is a leader of a mosque. Now what I'm talking, it is not something I had or I study. It is something I lived in. So my father was a imam leading a mosque. Mosque is a church of a Muslim. They call it mosque. Why I have to explore the temple of Muslim. They call it a mosque. So my father was a leader of a mosque uh, where I grew up. So I was in Islamic uh, Islamic Institute, which would equally a college here or uh, a seminar here. So I was in Islamic Institute where I was going to become a Muslim missionary in the country like, uh, like Morocco, Egypt, Tunisia. And after I would serve three years, I would go back, I would go in Saudi Arabia maybe and study. But I thank God, before all those happened, Jesus intercepted my life. And today, I'm full Christian, born again, child of God. And I'm on my way to heaven. And I don't regret. When I given my life to Jesus, it was not easy. It was a missionary came from U.S. to Africa. And that's why now I'm returning to be a missionary to America. The missionary came from Af America to Africa. And he preached. His name was called Dr. Jimmy Jackson. And we had also Dr. Dick Thomasian. I don't know if you heard about him. And they had come and speak on the borderline of Congo and Uganda. So it was Friday. I couldn't cross the border. I had to wait until Monday. But before Monday, on Saturday, there a young man of 13 years handed me over the flyer. So when he given me the flyer, this flyer had missionary over 50 white people. I said, wow. You know, in Uganda by that time, we had never had many white people. Actually, it is 100% black people. So when you see white people, you want to go to see. You know, so when I see this, you know, many white people say, wow, I'll go to see these many white people. Not to get saved, but just to enjoy. To see, you know, how you people speak, you talk, you hear, you know. Totally, you are different than us. So I went there to see these many white missionary. But that was a God's plan. When I went there, I found them having puppets, puppet ministry. I don't know if you have seen it before. Oh, puppet ministry is powerful. 
You may not know how to preach, but when you have that puppet ministry, just put up your stage with the puppet ministry. You are going to have over 5,000 people within a few minutes coming to see puppet. So I went there to see, and this puppet, we are singing my language. I said, wow, I've never seen puppets singing in my language. You know, I was calling them cartoon. Singing in my language. During that time, it was a big thing. So I went there, and after seeing the cartoon, all those puppets, then the preacher stood and he began to preach about the power of the cross. And when he preached about the power of the cross, that was my time. When he given the invitation, I came with my hands up. And that's how we do in Africa. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you don't come so diplomatically. You come with your hands up, with your tears coming down. As a sign of surrender to God. So I went there and gave my life to Jesus. And they told me now, Jesus has entered in you. And the Holy Spirit has come on you. But I wouldn't feel him in my stomach. I thought I'm going to feel him like a woman who's pregnant. That's what they told me. So, and now they announced the baptism on Monday. I went for baptism. And they told me now, Jesus has come on you. you when we, we are going to bury you. We are going to bury you in the water. And when we get you, you'll be a brand new person. I said, wow, let me go in the water. And then I thought maybe when I get in the water, I'll be a brand new person with long hair. Maybe my color will be changed. It was not so. <laughs> so they dipped me in the water. And when I come up, I was the same. And then I told the guy, you told me I'm going to get out changed. I see I'm still the same. And they say, yes, you are the same, but inside of you. Something has happened. And I said, okay, thank you. So it was the truth. When I went back in the motel, my life began to transform. I was between two wars. And one tells me, go back home. Another one say, go to the school. Because I was on my way to the, uh, to the Islamic seminary or institute. And uh, on Tuesday, I decided to go home. I stopped. That was the end of my schooling. That was the end of Islamic. I went back home to share my testimony. How I have encountered Jesus. Somebody, you got to have a testimony of what the Lord has done for you. I made a vow that whenever I will go, even if I don't preach, I will share my testimony. It is not easy to turn from Islam to Christianity. When you give your life to Jesus, especially me, you know, born in a big family of Islam, my father is a minister, and now I'm saying I'm a Christian, I was almost lost in my life. Uh, after three days, four guys, they call them Sahaba, they came and captured me. But before that, as I shared my testimony home, my big sister was about killing me. She was too mad. You know, she's my big sister, not small one. You know, she's a big sister, and also she has some meat on her. She's not a small individual. 
So when I given my testimony, she pulled me out of chair and threw me down. Not only threw me down, she stepped on me, you know, with her height and her weight and stepped on the person like me with my height and my weight, almost she had killed me. She felt she was not satisfied with what she had done. She pulled my hand and bite me here. I still have a big mark here. This is a piece here. You know, this piece of meat was taken away. This little piece of meat was taken. I was almost lost my hand. And that's why whenever I go, I love to give a testimony. And when you find me in Africa, I'll be preaching about that Jesus because I know what the Lord has done for me. Today, I would be a dead person, but Jesus saved me and changed my life. After four days, they drove me over 490 miles and dumped me in the game park. Game park, so when the lion came up, they can beat me. You know, game park is a place where there is wild animal. Only, only lions, uh, crocodile, leopard. But the Lord protected me. During nine hours I, stay, I spent in the game park, no lion came, no leopard came, no big serpent came. I was tight my hand and my leg just to die. You know, that's how ugly Islam are. I hate the religion of Muslim. I don't hate them. I hate their religion and their belief. Because hate is not in us. When you're a child of God, you should not have hate. You should love your enemy. If you don't love your enemy, then there is no heaven for you. So, I was there for hours and the man by the name Joseph who picked me from the bush. He was from taking care of sheep and goat. You know, as I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you like I see that movie as it was. And then he took me in his home. This hand was swollen and from here to here, I was com completely numb. This hand was not functioning. That's why when you see me, you know, raising up my hands and I can preach, I can drive a car, I can... Uh, do my work, I just praise the Lord. Otherwise, today I would be crippled with one hand. So when I have two hands, it's a miracle. So having two hands, put it aside, I would be dead of tetanus because human teeth are very poisonous. But the Lord protected me. Today I'm alive. Some of you, you have never gone through what I've gone through but the Lord is so faithful. After 20 days, I went back in the city as a homeless. I was a homeless now. I had nowhere to go. I wouldn't go back home. So I decided to go to church where uh, the pastor allowed me to sleep in the church for a good moment. So I lived in the church like this inside, not in the parsonage. I was living in the church, not only, not even on the desk, or, sorry, on the pews like that. I was sleeping on the desk, you know, the wooden pews, wooden chair, or wooden benches. I lived there for one year, and there coming a woman by the name Helen Smith. She was a Caucasian or white woman from London. She had come to do a, a, a mission work with widows and single mothers.
and uh, she met me, I shared my testimony, and that old lady began to cry. She was so touched. And this is what she said lastly. He said, since your parents dumped you and they don't like you, can I be your mother? And uh, I look at her and I couldn't see possible. She's from London. I'm in Africa. How can she be my mother? And indeed, that mama, she become my mother. That is only a woman I cried for when she died. So when she went back in London, she went with my pictures and she went church to church because she asked me what she could do for me when she got to London. I told her I would love to go back to school. So when she went back in London, she began to go church to church like here. She would show my picture about, you know, this is my African son. Uh, this is my son. He wants school fees. I wanted to go back to school, not in Islam uh, education. I wanted to take just a normal public education so I can become a teacher. That was my way. I wanted to be a teacher, but it didn't work that way. God's way is not our way. God had a reason for me. And that mama, she raised the money, and I went back to school. I was able to get uh, one studio room, and she paid, and I bought a bed, and a mattress, and the, and the uh, plate and I was able to cook myself and I went back to school. By that time I was 16 years. It's like I raised up myself and my mama would come every 12 months. She would come in December and eat Christmas with me. In Africa is big. In Europe, Christmas is big. So she would come and have Christmas with me up to the 15th of January. She would bring her family, her husband, and her two children, and we live in our studio. She wanted to show me that she can live where I live. She can sleep where I sleep. And she loved me dearly like a mother. Let me tell you, whatever you do to individual, you will never know what that person will be. That mama become a mother of mine. Time came that I was not seeing her that we have different color. I was not seeing her like a Caucasian. I was seeing her like my biological mother. And she would see me like her own son. She never called me by name. Always she called me my son. And whenever I saw her on the airport, I would just go and grab her. I would feel just the joy filled that my mama is back. And uh, I'll never see her like my adopted mother. Always I saw her like my biological mother. Because uh, what she did for me, it was not about adoption, it's about a mother. She took care of me. She took me back to school, gave me pocket money every week. She was sending me 20 pounds, uh, British money. They call it pound, equivalent to 40 dollars. Every week during that time was a lot of money so that I can go through a week. So I would save it so that, you know, in case she doesn't say next week, I'm safe. And she would pay my school fees in time. And that's why, that's how I grew up. Uh, some of you, you have never gone through tough time like that. But I thank God for my mother 
when she died uh, five years ago, seven years ago now, um, seven, I think seven years ago now, since my mother, eight years ago, since my mother died, she died of cancer. And uh, when I go, her hair was gone. She wanted to see me before she died. And uh, that mama loved me. You know, uh, I don't know, sometimes when I think about her, I cry. Because uh, she was nice to me. And uh, uh, she wanted to see me before she died. And her hair was gone. And she was too skinny because she died of uh, stomach cancer. And uh, she was too skinny. And she told me, son, I'm not going to make it. But I wanted to see you. And uh, I want you to go back in Africa and, uh, uh, and tell people that Jesus is coming very soon. And uh, son, I want you to know his mercy endures forever. That was our last word, that his mercy endures forever. And my mama died. So that's uh, a little bit of my story. Whenever I come to Euro, to America, I make sure I pass by where we kept here in Manchester just to see where we kept here. I am here because of that mother. If she was not the one who invested everything in me, uh, education, I wouldn't be here. When you're in Africa, you can't speak in English. You have to go to school. So my mother invested everything in me. I think she loved me better than even her biological children. Uh, because the biological children, they had opportunity of Britain government. They can be supported. But for me, I had no support except my mother. So she did all possible for that. And that's why, you see, I helped those children. Because you never know what they will be. And uh, whenever you do something, never expect anything in return. My mother never expected anything in return, but only to love on her. And she remained, made a legacy in my life. She may be dead, but she's still alive in me. And I will see her there one day by God's grace. So as a result of that, we decided to write books so that we can make the church to be aware of the Islam. Uh, the first time... This book was transformed very well to good American, Alabamian English. So you can be able to read and go inside of you. One, we are written with British, and Brother Dan cannot, find, cannot figure out the words. But this one was transformed and changed and written again with my friend, Brother uh, Scott Moore. He's pastoring a church in Florence, Alabama. So... This is original Alabama English. You'll be able to <laughs> read it. <laughs> and uh, this is called uh, The False Doctrine of Islam. All these books, we sell them and uh, we get some beans for the kids and maize corn. And that's how we feed them. So this will be a, a great blessing for you for this one. I have some few uh, copies I bring. We sell them $10.00 or whichever the Lord can lead you, that is for, that has nothing to do with the bank bed, but uh, we buy food for the kids. This one is called Breaking the Halls of Islam. What they build, we break them. So I don't have many copies. And another one, which is Blandy News, called Pray for the Church of America. Why? Because I've been here and I've seen 
Uh, it's uh, pure about prayer. You read this book, it will transform your life and it will teach you how to pray. Very perfect. Just, we just printed it three months ago. I love to pray and uh, take time of writing and after I give to people who knows English better than me and they do it in a proper way. So you can be able to produce a proper material. After service, I'll be there outside and you'll be able to get some of those copies and uh, I think it'll be a blessing with our children to get some of the beans and mess corn. Amen? So I want to share with you in the next uh, 15 minutes, I'm still in a good shape. Amen. You told me 45 minutes, so I still have 15 minutes. Somebody say amen. In Africa, we are not a good timekeeper, but when I come in the U.S., I try to be a good timekeeper. I had to go to Walmart to buy this yesterday. Yeah, I had no watch. <laughs> so when we departed with brother, uh, brother Dan, I had to go to buy it, $10. So it didn't cost me much, but it's still counting the same. Yeah, whether you have another one for $200, mine is $8.55. Uh, it's still counting the same. <laughs> so I can check out the time in my $8.55 and yours maybe 300 but still it's going to do the same. <laughs> the difference I got in Walmart and yours you get it in, uh, in Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody say amen. So I want to share with you a very important message that is going to transform your life. I want you to go with me in this book, Second uh, King chapter 2. I've never preached this message. This is my first time to preach this message. But uh, as I was putting my message together, I, I said, Lord, help me. So I can be able to deliver. This one I can preach this message for entire month. But I'm going to share a little bit tips. Uh, the book of Second, the book of Second King chapter 2. Mm-mm, not that one. Not Daniel. Second King exactly. Uh, Second King chapter 2 verse 1. Chapter 2, 2 King, chapter 2, verse 1. It goes this way. And it came to pass, it came to pass when the Lord would take Elijah unto heaven by the whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from, Gal- from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tell, Stay here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elijah said unto and Elisha said unto him, I the Lord liveth, and thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the, and the sons of the prophet that were, with Bethel, were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest that the Lord will take away thy master from he day? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. Number four. Elijah said unto Elisha, Tell here, oh, stay here, I pray thee. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul 
liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went to Jericho, and the son of the prophet that were in Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Know that the Lord will take away your master from your day. And he sweared, he answered, Yeah, I know it, hold your peace. Number six. And Elijah said unto him, Tell, I pray thee, here, or stay here. For the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and there so liveth, I will not leave thee. And they went on. Number seven. And the fifty men of the sons of the prophet went and stood view after off. And they too stood by Jordan. Number eight. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the water. And they were all divided here and there. So they too went off on dry land. Number nine. And it came to pass when they were gone over, then Elijah said unto Elisha, Asked, what shall I do for thee? Before I am taken away from thee. And Elisha said, Pray thee, Lord, a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Number 10. He said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so. But if not, it shall not be so. Number 10. 11. And it came to pass, as they still went on, and taken that behold, Behold, they appeared a chariot of fire and a horse fire and parted them both asunder. Elijah went up by will we in heaven and Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his, his, cloth, his own cloth and rent them into pieces. He took up all the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and he went back and stood by the bank of Jordan and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and he smote the water and he said, where is God of Elijah? And when he also had smoted the water, they aparted hath and hath and Elijah, Elisha went over. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that bless as I share your word with thy people. In Christ's name we pray and everybody say amen. amen. I want to share with you the message that I've entitled, How far do you willing to go with the Lord? Or how far are you ready to go with the Lord? How long do you want to go with the Lord? I want to share with you just in a few minutes about this, we're going to see uh, there is four cities that Elijah and Elisha and Elijah, they went. Four cities, they walked together. Elisha was a son of a shepherd. Elisha was a son of a rich man. If you can read in chapter, first King chapter 19, verse 19 to 21, you're going to see Elijah went to the father of Elisha. And he asked him if he can allow his son to go with him in a mission. It was a mission. Elijah was on the mission for in the four cities. He was not just going as a tour. He went on the mission. And he didn't want to go alone. He wanted to go with a disciple. Elijah knew after his mission, 
is going to be taken away. And I believe all of you are here today. You have to understand that Jesus is coming very soon. And when Jesus comes, we are not going to stay in Alabama no more. We will be taken up. And this man, Elisha, he knew that he's going to be with Elijah all his life. He didn't know that one day he will be taken away. Number one city they went, it was called Gilgal. If you read verse one, they went on the Gilgal. The first city was called Gilgal. Gilgal was a city of stone. There was no any wealth there. There was no money. There was hunger in the city of Gilgal. Only what you would see in the city of Gilgal was stones. If you go to Bible commentary, the Bible commentary, another commentary, Matthew or something, it, it, it talks about the city of Gilgal as a city of stone. That there is nothing wealthy, there is no money, people were struggling, but God had sent them to do a mission work in the city of Gilgal. And one day God will send you to Africa, where everything you have to support it, everything you have to do it by yourself. And the same time you preach, I met one of the missionaries who had, who had come to Cameroon. And when he reached in Cameroon, the preachers told them, told the missionary, you have to rent the instrument and he has to pay. You have to feed the pastors from villages. He has to pay. And afterwards he said, what kind of mission is this? Because you have gone to the poor country. You must thank God, you people in America, that the Lord has blessed you beyond measure. Some of you, you have never even walked two miles. In Africa, we walk 20 miles when you are going to minister. And it sounds like a not true, but it is true. We walk 20 miles. We walk 30 miles. That's why I came up with a project of bicycles. When I see pastors dying, killed by animals, when they are going to minister early in the morning, I begin to come in America and raising money and we buy bicycles. Every year we give our almost 150 to 200 bicycles. Last mission with Pastor Taylor from Tupelo, we given our 120 bicycles for pastors who are walking 30 miles. No, this man Elijah and Elisha, they walk. They had no horses. They had no chariots. They were walking city to city. So this mission work, it didn't just start yesterday. It didn't just start with 1,000 Baptists or with the independent Baptists or with the, uh, any kind of mission work. It started a long time ago. So these people, Elijah and Elisha, were there even before Jesus was born. These people, Elisha and Elijah, they have a mission. And number one seated was Gilgal. And then Elijah came to his servant because he saw that this man was tired. The call is not on them. The call is on me. When the calling is on you, you have to bear your calling. So the calling was on Elijah, not Elisha. And that's why he came to Elijah. Elisha, Elisha was too tired. And he said, Elisha, 
are you going to manage to go with me to the next city? And Elisha said, as long as your God live, and you live, not my God. He said, as long as your God live, and you live, I shall go. In other words, Elisha put trust in the Lord and put trust in the man that if I can go with him, I'll have what he has. America, if we don't go to heaven, it will be a bad mistake because God has given you everything to make it possible. Some of you, you have four cars. Some of you have 10 cars. Some of your children, when they get 15 years, they start warming up. I can't wait to make 16 years so my daddy can buy me a car. I can't wait to get 16 years so my grandma can buy me a car. In Africa, we don't warm up for the car. Moses, do you know what you warm up? When you get 15, you say, I can't wait to get 16 so my parent can buy me shoes. You know, most of the African kids, they go to school with no shoes. You come in our orphanage school, most of our children, they don't have shoes. And they don't complain. They know it is part of life. Not only our orphanage school, even in the public school. Kids, they go barefooted. But your children, the day is born, you put him on shoes until he goes to university. For us, you, your children, they are warming up to get a car when they get 16. For us, we are warming up to get a shoes and underwear. <laughs> we have men get 16 without, they can't afford it to buy underwear. Because their parents say, as long as you have trousers and shirt, you can survive. And you, your child, when it's only one year, you have to buy the underwear, underpant, and also put another thing, another trouser. In Africa, no. So, have you ever seated one day and just thank the Lord for what he has done for you? What I'm telling you, you are hearing from real African missionary and a pastor, local national pastor in Africa. When I come here, I become a missionary, a short-time mission. But I'm telling you because we're here from original, because that is how we grow. Some missionaries in Africa from here, they will not know our thing. But I'm telling because that's how we live. So this man, Elijah and Elisha, they had no car. They had no horses. They had no bus. They were walking. Until one day Elijah was so touched when he saw this man tired. And he said, Elisha, can you manage to go to the second city? Because God has called me and is sending me to Bethel. That is second city. Second city was called Bethel. And he told him, sir. If you read on verse 2, verse, yeah, verse, uh, verse two it says, sir, I'm going to Bethel. Why don't you stay here? And he said, no, sir. As long as your God live and you live, I will not let you go. And they went together. And this is what you got to do. God has blessed you with a wonderful church as this. And don't allow it to go down. 
Support your leaders. Support your elders. Support your interim pastor. Support your uh, pastor of music. Support every bit of this ministry. Because God has invested this ministry in you. And if you allow this church uh, fall down, you will be accountable before God. The Lord will ask you when you go to heaven, what about the, the church you used to go? Oh, they had no pastor, man. We had many trouble. Oh, we had many problems. God doesn't see problem. There is no problem that you cannot afford to win. Any temptation, God knows that you can overcome it. And they went together in the city of Jordan. Sorry, in the city of Bethel. When they reached on Bethel, they did the work. And when they finished, the city of Bethel means a house of bread. It was a city where there is food. Everything was wonderful, not like a Gilgal. Here now, Elisha would eat the bread, and that's why they call it a house of bread. And now time came. The Lord spoke to Elijah again. You are going to leave this city of Bethel. You are going out to another city called Jericho. And that's why I come with my message. How far are you willing to go with the Lord? This man said, it doesn't matter if to die, let me die. But I'll go with you. And when they finished the city of Bethel, there was a children of prophet. They came up and said, hey, Elisha, be careful. Your servant, the Lord is going to take him. Are you willing to go with him? He said, I don't care anything happen, I'll go with him. And then Elijah came to him and said, sir, we are going out to another city called Jericho. City of Jericho. I don't know if you read the city of Jericho when they surrounded the city of Jericho seven times. It was a historic city where people saw the Lord. Where the Elijah saw the Lord. And then they went to the city of Jericho. That was endurance. I don't know how many miles from the city of Bethel to the city of Jericho. And they walked. Can you walk for 20 miles? Can you walk for 15 miles? Can you walk for the sake of the gospel for 10 miles? You're going to tell him, no, that is not American war of life. And that is true. That is not American war of life. But time will come that we're not going to have no gas, no cars. But we have to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot settle for nothing. You have to settle when you see people surrendering their life to Jesus. This place is overcrowded. And I expect you to fill up this church to the maximum. And break that building and increase and increase and increase. The Lord has blessed us with the ordinary stuff. He has blessed us here. God has blessed you with money. God has blessed you with a house. Some of you have a big house of eight bedroom. And when you look around, you don't know what you can use it. But God has trusted you with. You should thank God. 
there's somebody who doesn't have even two-bedroom house or two-bedroom uh, trailer. But for you have beyond measure. What can you do for him? Have we ever sit down and say, Lord, thank you that you have done this also. Healthy. Some of you have health care. When you seek, you just dial 911. I think 911 in Africa. Zip, I don't know what number we dial, but no response. We have it, I think, 90011, something like that. 911. Yeah. When you dial, what happens? It goes straight to fire and the hospital, and they're going to tell, how may I help you? I just fell down and I'm broken. Oh, wait, two minutes, we are there. In two minutes, you're going to have fire truck, or you're going to have ambulance, maybe 10 cars coming for one person who just fall on the yard. In Africa, no. When you fall in the yard, you better wake up. <laughs> Don't expect the ambulance to come. There's no number for ambulance. There's no number for fire truck. <laughs> if you just see, fall down, if you are lucky, you have a phone, call your children. Call your auntie. <laughs> Nobody's going to help you. Or just pull yourself until you reach there. But don't call 911 because it is not functioning. Why don't you just thank God? with all your power, your strengths, your wealth, and say, Lord, there's nothing I can do except to serve you. When I got those little children in our orphanage, we have two campus. We're taking care of over 500 children. When we go on those two campus and you see those children jumping over me, and they call me Papa, I just feel good. That at least somewhere we are investing in their life. They may not, they may not be helpful to me, but one individual will become something to a community. My adopted mother was able to take me to Bible seminary in Nairobi. And she paid all until I finished in Bible college. And then I went back home and I began to do church planting. Today, by God's grace, we have planted over 185 churches in the country. Why? Because what I do, I love it. And if I don't do it, who will do it? If we don't do it, who will do it? I believe in togetherness, we can change the entire world. In togetherness, we can make Jesus known. Number three city was called, last one was called Jordan. After Jericho, they went to Jordan. And Jordan... Is from Uganda. By the way, Jordan is coming from the liver Nile. That's where Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, and the streams is from Uganda. Uganda, that's why there is a source of river Nile. <laughs> and source of river Nile comes from down, going up from Uganda, goes to Khartoum, Khartoum, and then it goes through Sudan, it goes through Egypt, Cairo. And then it turned to Israel, to Jordan. And then we pour water in Jordan. And that's where Jesus was baptized. So Uganda is a historic country. Many missionaries, when they come, especially Bible scholars, they want to go to see source of River Nile. Source of River Nile found in Uganda. 
and that is only a unique a unique a unique river that we we are down south taking the water north it is unrare so they were baptized they were in the, in, the, in, the, in Jordan area and he did this mission and that was his last mission of Elijah the bible says he asked his servant Elisha ask whatever you want in conclusion he said if you can give me a double portion of your spirit do you know why he asked his double portion he wanted to be more stronger than Elijah and if you read it very properly god used more elisha than elijah even one day when elijah was elisha was dead somebody died on the village and this Elijah was only bones. And these mamas were crying. And they said, but there is a man who died. His name is Elisha. Why don't we take this dead body to the bone of Elisha? The moment they brought the dead body to the bone of Elisha, the dead body woke up. Amen. Which means God used Elisha better than Elijah. Do you know why? The commitment Amen. that he had. Can you be committed to your church? How far are you willing to go? Are you going to surrender along the way? God is depending on you. If this church fall down and completely shut down, God's eye is watching over you. Because God has allowed you to be in this church for a reason. If you don't support your missionary missions, here in this local church, God's eye is watching over you. Where are you going to run away from the rush of God? Because God has trusted you. Don't tell me it's not my church. It's for Pastor Swanso Church. This pastor is retired, but he's still here in his church. Amen. Why? Because he loves it. He wants to see the church growing. He wants to see you are advancing. How far are you willing to go with God? But you cannot go far with God when you don't have a local church. This is your local church that you got to support it and you keep walking with this local church. How far are you willing to go? God has a mission for you. God has invested something on you. Last time I told people where I was that God has blessed you so much in such a way. Some of you, don't, you never stay in the house without air condition. In Africa, in my church, we don't have air condition and it's not a demand. If the air condition here breaks tomorrow on Friday and on Monday and everybody know that the air condition is broke, do you know what you're going to do? On Friday, you are going to call the elder. Ah, oh, brother Dan, um, is, is the air condition fixed at church? The moment the elder say, oh, not yet, we are, but we are still working on it, not yet fixed. Do you know what you're going to do? Okay, I was checking. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to come on Sunday because there is no air condition. In my church, windows is open, no air condition. But on Sunday, people will be full, packed. Outside, no car. 
except my car. No car. How did the people come? Walking. Nobody will call me and say, hey, pastor, can you pick me up, please? I have no transportation. Oh, man, I say, where did you get that guts to call me? You know very well how to make it a church. How far are you willing to go? Are you going to stop on the way? Are you going to surrender? And I say, I'm not going to go there because we don't have, uh, uh, we don't have contemplative guitar song and jumping. No. You are coming to worship the Lord. And this word I'm investing in you, you're going to live with it for next two weeks. How far are you willing to go? Hold on your church. Support your member. Support your membership. Support your leader. In any way, pray for them. Have a strong prayer group mama. Group for mothers who pray to sustain your church. And that's why we have this church. We need a strong prayer group that can sustain the church and pray for the church. Pastor, I can't pray for two hours. You don't need to pray for two hours. You just need to ask God, only five minutes is enough. If you pray five minutes very effectively, the Lord will open up the windows of heaven and bless our church. And you're going to enjoy this church in this land of living. Finishing, Elijah was taken and Elisha remained with a mantle. Mantle means a clothes that Elijah had. When he remained it, now he was behind there. And the children of prophet were seeing him another side. They were he said, okay, Elijah, Elisha, let us see how you are going to cross this river. Your boss, he had some powers. And he struck the water. The way was made in the water. What are you going to do, Elisha? So Elisha remembered he has a mantle, a piece of clothes of Elijah. And you know what he did? He prayed and said, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel, they have taken my master. And after that, he struck that, uh, the, the, the piece of cloth on the water, and the water was divided. And this man went through the dry land. Do you know what happened? All the children of prophets who had never given their life to God, they surrendered. Do you know what they say? They said, surely... The spirit of Elijah rests on you. I pray for you, brothers and sisters, so that you may have courage to keep walking. When you keep walking at the end, the Lord will bless you. I want you to search your heart. I'm speaking to you because the Lord, my background, I was not like you. I was not born in a Christian family. I, was not, I have no Christian background. But the Lord loved me so much. And he has allowed me to come to speak to the nations and also to speak to people like you and share with you. You may not see me again or we may meet over there in heaven or I may see you again. But whatever happened, how long are you willing to go with the Lord? Are you ready today to search your heart before we give an invitation? I want you to just take a few minutes of searching your heart. Just a few minutes of searching your heart. Bow your head as we are going to pray. Bow your head and search your heart. Just bow your head. 
and search your heart. This is a very golden moment that you cannot even lose it. And after prayer, I'll invite Brother Dan. He'll come for the invitation. Father, I've spoken your word for these 55 minutes so that I've been with thy people, giving my testimony where you got me, Lord, and also share your word that Alpha, are we willing to go to the Lord? Lord, convict your people and touch your people in the special way accordingly. In Christ's name we pray. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed as she begins to play, let's stand all over the building because God's given us a challenge today. How far will we go? And as she begins to play, all the, all the offerings in the Bible were made at an altar. Everything that we give to God, we give at an altar. Well, preacher, I can pray here in my seat. You can. But if you have the ability, it just means something different. When you come forward, you're, you're letting the Lord know that you're not ashamed and you're willing to give your all. Well, I don't have to. You don't. But it'll mean more if you do. Mean more in your heart if you do. See, they crucified Christ publicly. They crucified him in front of the whole world for the whole world to see. He was not ashamed of what he did for us. Sometimes I believe the reason that we back up on the Lord and we don't go that extra mile or we don't go as far as we should is because we hold on to the pew and we don't bring our all to the altar and make our sacrifice to the Lord. How far are you willing to go? People are praying, maybe you want to come. Join them. We'll wait just a moment. And I'll have a word of prayer and we'll all close together. Maybe you're here this morning and when Brother Vincent was preaching about how the Lord spoke to his heart, he just went to see the white people. But God had a different plan. For whatever reason you came to church today, maybe you thought you were saved. But God had a different plan for you today. And the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and let you know that if you died today, you wouldn't go to heaven. You'd like to know the same Jesus that he knows. If that's you today, nobody's looking. There's people in the altar praying, people praying in their pews, but nobody's looking around. Would you raise your hand and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? I want to know that same Jesus. I'm not sure that I know him. I want to know him today. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that anywhere in the building? We won't come to you, single you out, embarrass you. We just want to pray for you. Anybody, anywhere. There may be somebody here today, and you might be willing to say, Preacher, what he's preaching about spoke to my heart. My walk with the Lord matters to me, and I hadn't been walking like I should. I hadn't been as close to the Lord as I should. But I want to be. I want to be willing to go further. I want to be willing to go where the Lord wants me to go. God spoke to your heart. You, you didn't come. You weren't sure. 
that you want us to pray for you. Would you just do the same thing? Just simply raise your hand. Say, preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not there yet, but I want to be. We won't come to you. We just want to pray for you. Anybody, anywhere, just hand up right back down, anywhere. Father, you know our hearts this morning. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that sees us, knows us inside and out. God, I pray that the Word of God has done its work in our heart and our life this morning. Lord, may you seal it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Decisions that were made in this altar, God, would you take and seal those things. God, give us the strength and the courage that we need to go from this place and now live it in our life. Not just talk about it or think about it, but make it a part of our life. Just like Elisha took that mantle and the power of God fell, Lord, would your same power fall upon us. God, may we be able to make a difference in the lives of those that we come in contact with each and every day. Help us, God, to be salt and light along the journey. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Vincent and his surrender to you. Lord, his life and his testimony for you. I thank you for the courage that you give him, the health and the strength that you give him. Lord, the vision that you give him for his people and for those children. God, I pray that as he travels in the different churches, the places that he goes, God, I pray he could cast that vision and the people could see it the same as he does. God, they would be willing to partner with him and be a part of what it is that you're doing there. God, there's so many ways that we could help and be a blessing to people all around the world. God, sometimes you just send somebody special along to help us to be a blessing to and to invest in and be a part of the ministry that you're using them for. So God, I pray as he goes, Lord, you'd just prepare the hearts of people wherever he is to receive your word and then partner with him in the endeavor that you've called him to do. Thank you for his life and his testimony. God, we pray that you'll just bless us as we leave this place today. Help us to go, Lord, knowing that we're better because we've been in your house and in your presence today. If it be your will, bring us back again this evening safely. And we'll once again turn our hearts towards you. Do our best to worship you in spirit and truth. We love you and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you're all standing up for a reason. That's so you can get to your wallet or you can get down in your pocketbook uh, because we're going to take up an offering. I never... We had a Gideon speaker here before. It's the only thing special I've been here for out of the ordinary. But uh, the way I grew up in church, when there's an opportunity you to help somebody, you uh, help them. You can be seated. I was just teasing about standing up to get you all out. Uh, but we want to we want to give you an opportunity to be a blessing to not to Brother Vincent. The Lord takes care of Brother Vincent. But he uses him to take care of those children. And to, to not only to take care of those children uh, in, in the orphanages, there are two of them, one for the younger kids and one for the older kids, uh, as he explained that. Me and y'all can sit down there if you want to because I'll, I'll be just a minute. Um, he's given his life for those children in the ministry there. And 